Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth, so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Anthony Carlton. Anthony started investing at the age of 21. Fast forward a decade, and today he's a wealth advisor and vice president at Farther Finance, a digital family office. Over the last 10 years, he has written for Forbes Business Insider, grown a virtual client advisory business, and coached hundreds of long-term investors. Now he coaches growing founders, executives, and W-2 professionals who want a comprehensive financial plan. Wealth Science, I bring you my friend. Anthony, welcome to the show, brother. What's up? Uh, yeah, I appreciate it, Jesse. Um, I'm excited to be on and you know talk all things personal finance and investing, and um, you know also LinkedIn. And so, uh, kudos, props on you know the success with the podcast. We were just you know talking before this, um, me doing my research and, and listening to a couple of episodes. Uh, I wanted more, so uh, yeah, man, it's good to be on. Yeah, Anthony, it's a privilege, brother. This is long overdue. I, I love your content on LinkedIn, and I know what you do in the financial world. It's, it's helping hundreds of people and what you've been able to do. So I think that this content is perfect for my audience. It's going to help so many people. You know, for the people who maybe aren't on LinkedIn, Anthony, or, or don't know a lot about you, if, if you kind of just give us your background story and how you got to uh, today. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I agree. I think, you know, there are a lot of people who, are in our phase of life um, who either follow us or are other creators on LinkedIn. Um, so first, just want to say, you know, I've found a ton of benefit just from showing up every day and talking about money and investing on LinkedIn and, and connecting with people like you and, and others on the platform. Um, yeah, for me, um, you know, I'm working with individuals. A lot of the times they're my age range, our age range, they're in their 30s and 40s, um, you know, working in tech or some of them are entrepreneurs. And they're getting to this point in life where, um, you know, things became simple and easily self-manageable with their personal finances. And now they start getting new jobs and buying homes and having families. And they get to this point where it becomes complex and they really want to bring in a, a financial partner to think through goal planning, investments, and um, you know everything that comes with managing your financial life. So that's what I'm doing now. And you know, to get here, I mentioned on my LinkedIn profile that I started investing at 21. Um, that's the start of my journey, and really where things clicked for me in understanding. You know, it's not just about earning. And showing up at your job, um, you know, building wealth intelligently through these different investment vehicles and, you know, the stock market and real estate. So 21 in my dorm room, that was my real first taste of 
um, wanting to learn about Warren Buffett and Benjamin Graham and um, really dive into stock investing and think of long-term wealth. Um, so it was really before I decided, you know, I wanted to do this as a career. And so that kind of nudged me towards studying finance and accounting um, in school. And, um, you know, after school, I realized that I wanted to work with individuals. I didn't want to be stuck behind uh, a terminal looking at, you know, stock prices all day long or, you know, how far up and down interest rates have gone. Um, I wanted to be making an impact at work directly with, um, you know, families and individuals and people who, again, are at our stage in life. So, um, yeah, there's a lot, I think, in between that journey at 21 and, and being where I am now. But um, I would say education is, you know, sort of the foundation of me choosing finance as a career and really deciding to build a business and, and a career out of it. Um, and that translates directly to the content that you see on LinkedIn. Um, you know, none of it is heavy with financial jargon or, you know, it really breaks it down, these complex things like investing in the stock market and retirement um, into simple, you know, actionable things that people can take away and then go use to build wealth. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I just love when, when I'm discussing with anyone in the financial world, when it comes back to, you know, why we do this and it's to help people, you know, help people through these, this time in their life, like you said, or attain, you know, financial freedom or their goals or whatever that looks like. So I find that just super special. And, you know, I've spoken to several wealth advisors and financial planners over my life, and I've had the incredible, you know, opportunity to meet so many amazing people. You know, unfortunately, just like there are bad financial advisors, there are terrible syndicators out there, you know, there's terrible of, of everything, you know, for, for the people listening who might be thinking about going that route. Um, Anthony, you know, what are some like red flags when it comes to working with a financial advisor? You know, what's an example of like questions that they should be asking or, you know, what's examples of a good FA? What's an example of like a bad FA? I'm curious. Yeah, that's such a great point to bring up um, because when you are getting to that point in life where you're thinking about bringing in an advisor to help you, um, depending on who you're talking to and which interview. Uh, which advisors you're interviewing, you could be getting very different things. So that interview process and understanding how to find the right fit, whether it's an advisor or a CPA or, you know, an executive coach, um, you know, there are some big questions and sort of things, um, you know, there are a good starting point. And for one, I think understanding how, that advisor's incentives are aligned with yours and really your goal of retiring on time and building long-term wealth, being smart about taxes, all the things that you need to do, you wanna make sure that whoever is helping you, whoever you hire and pay money to um, you know, take a look and provide advice, um, you want those incentives to be aligned with yours. So um, how are you paid? You know, one of the first questions when you're interviewing advisors is asking um, how they're paid for their work. And that will tell you a lot about um, what they do for clients and if their incentives are aligned. So for me, I'm what's called a fee-only financial advisor, um, which means that 
we charge one fee and we really focus on advice and financial planning, whereas some advisors may be focused on selling products. And like you said, there are always good and bad actors. Um, unfortunately, you know, the bad actors tend to come from um, these commission-based, you know, wirehouses where advisors are incentivized to sell things that maybe, you know, if they're JP Morgan or some private bank um, and they have an investment fund that's their brand, you know, they're going to be incentivized to push that investment fund over another, even if it isn't the right fit for you. So yeah, asking your advisor how they're paid um, and looking out for fee-only advisors over someone who is paid on commission, that's usually going to align, again, your incentives to build long-term wealth and get objective advice with that advisors. Um, another is, are you a fiduciary? So this is a big one and it's a buzzword that maybe you've seen thrown around um, really what a fiduciary is, whether they're a financial advisor or a lawyer, is um, if they are a fiduciary, they are going to act in your best interest at all times. So they're not going to sell you that overpriced mutual fund that isn't right for you. And actually, they um, abide by an oath, the fiduciary oath, where if they did do that, they would get their licenses and their CFPs taken away. So looking for a fiduciary, um, that's you know a second big question. Um, and then I think the third one is when you're talking to an advisor, again, let's say you're interviewing five of them, um, one of them might be the right fit for you, who let's say that you're a 30-year-old tech employee who has 20 plus years until retirement, you're buying your first home and you're about to have a family and you need to do all of the planning around that. You want somebody who is the right fit advisor and who works with similar people in that client profile. Um, whereas, you know, if you're interviewing an advisor who specializes in working with ultra high net worth business owners who are in their 50s and 60s, you know, they may be a great advisor for you 20, 30 years down the road, but they're not the right fit for you now. So that third question is really around, um, can you show me examples of clients you've helped who are in my similar situation? Yeah, I think those are so many great points. And um, I, I mean, I would just kind of, if I could wrap it all up, I mean, just finding someone who aligns with you and what your goals and, and vision is. And that's so powerful. Um, I think that is like, like we said in the beginning, you know, there's, there's good actors, there's bad actors. I, I truly believe there's far more good than bad out there. Um, but it's important to ask these questions. So I wanted to get your perspective on that, uh, kind of like that insider look of what should people be looking at? What questions should they be asking? And I think that first one, it's so like, to some people, it's obvious, maybe to other people, it's not but like, how do you get paid? Like, I think that is a very just, you know, level one first step question. Like, I'm just curious, because there is different structures to it, which, uh, you know, could determine how someone gets paid or, or how they earn money through the deal. So I, I find that really interesting. Um, something I want to get your perspective on, Anthony, is we talk about this a lot in real estate. And obviously, it's a it's a big word, you know, in overall financial planning. It's, it's the word of risk. 
you know, you know, I'm really interested in your perspective on this word when it comes to financial planning, you know, finding the right fit or right investment vehicle for the right, you know, client, you know, centered around, you know, the word risk, I guess, how do you find that right vehicle? And how do you have those conversations with people? Because I think it's super crucial, you know, do people want to be, you know, in a high risk situation where they're looking at their phones every day, checking, uh, you know, how much money they're making, or, you know, maybe they check once a year. So I'm, I'm interested to see what's your take on this. Yeah, that's a great question. And to maybe open up my financial planning process a little bit, when somebody is having those first initial conversations with me, maybe they found me on LinkedIn or, you know, hopefully they're a referral or however they're finding me, I'm really getting to know them in the first two to three conversations because everything I do is based on their goals. So this is called goal-based financial planning. And if I can help someone clarify, a lot of the times they'll have three to five competing goals, which might be, you know, hey, I want to retire. Sometimes it's retire early. Um, I want to buy a home in, you know, say three to five years. And I also want to make sure that I have cash on the sidelines, the right amount, not too much, but not too little. So that if something happens, you know, it's accessible for me. And maybe they have other goals in between, like going on vacation once a year. And if I can help people first clarify what's important to you, and that's going to tell me um, and help me give recommendations on the investment side um, and retirement, as well as, you know, other risk management related things like taxes and insurance. But when we focus on investments and risk, you know, during those conversations, I'm asking about their prior experience with investing before, you know, them finding me, um, what are you doing right now? And, and how do you feel about it? You know, are you overwhelmed? You feel like you have it under control? You can kind of get an, an understanding of someone's base financial knowledge and where they're coming from, um, because I want to understand if they understand risk. And you know that, again, is going to help me recommend the right account of types, um, whether that be Roth IRA, managed brokerage, and then what's inside of those accounts, the investments, the portfolio that we put inside of them for clients. That's going to align with how much risk they're willing to take, what the timeline on that goal is, you know, whether they're investing for 10 years or two years. Um, but really, in general, you know, when I'm talking about risk, it's the risk of losing money. So if you're going to put up 10,000 in you know, a diversified ETF portfolio, um, your downside risk is, you know, how much is there to lose? And that's always on the other side of your upside potential for gain. And the higher you go up on the scale of aiming for you know, high returns and high gains, you're also adding additional risk. And so I think that's where this educational component comes in where, okay, we talked about your goals and your prior experience investing. And when we start diving into portfolios, I'm recommending for you, I'm looking at 
the upside, you know, over 10, 20, 30 years, how has this portfolio performed? You know, past performance doesn't dictate future, but it will tell us something about, you know, the potential ups and downs of this potential investment. Um, and we also have to look at the other side. So whenever I'm coaching clients, whether it's investments or real estate, I want to look at best case, worst case scenarios and tell you where we might fall somewhere in between so that we set expectations around risk and around the potential for losing money in the short term to build wealth over the long term, which is really what happens um, when you're investing in things like the stock market or you know, even real estate and cryptocurrency. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I just want to, I don't want to gloss over what you said in the beginning. It's something that really resonates with me when you're talking about those first few calls and you're doing this goal, you know, goal-based planning, you know, beginning with almost like the end in mind, like what is the end state? How do you, you know, what do you visualize that as? And then almost backwards planning to finding the right vehicle, um, you know, for that client. I think that's, really important. And, and I, I mean, you and I are just so aligned because these are the exact conversations I have with people when talking about mm -hmm. real estate, you know, because there are so many people who, you know, come to these opportunities and they've never invested in real estate before. And there's so many things to highlight, you know, one very important thing is real estate is an illiquid asset where, you know, unlike your Robinhood account, it can't be liquidated, you know, in an hour and you can have your cash back. Um, but making sure, asking these questions, the exact questions you're asking and making sure people understand the risks and the, uh, you know, the rewards and, you know, the ins and the outs. But yeah, I think that's all really important stuff. And then to your point also that, you know, as reward increases, usually therefore so does risk. Um, it's an important conversation to have with people if they're looking for those higher return investments, then possibly it might be a little more riskier. Um, I, I wanted to touch on this too, Anthony. I know you talk about it so much, the concept of, of long-term wealth building. And I think we're at an interesting time in society right now. Like a year ago, we had the whole you know, GameStop fiasco where people became millionaires overnight. And I think we live in like this instant gratification world where people think they can start on Monday and be living in the Caribbean on Friday. You know, when you look at long-term investing, Anthony, what are some of your biggest takeaways? You know, why do you love it so much? You know, why do you talk about it so much? You know, what are some of the, just the big aspects of long-term investing? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, before I, I forget kind of um, closing up on the last point and, you know, it relates to this one too. I think when you're talking about risk or building long-term wealth, which requires you to bring somebody in the mindset of thinking 10 to 20 years from now, you know, when you have conversations around goals first, when you start there, that tells me what's important to this person or these, this family. So that when we're talking about which securities or which accounts or which portfolios to put them in, if I can attach real life goals that they care about to these conversations, instead of, you know, trying to throw out a bunch of uh, you know, alpha, beta, you know, whatever terms, like I'm, it's not even dumbing it down. It's like bringing it to real life. Um, and, and I think that helps people click um, when they're thinking about like, okay, how do I balance enjoying life now versus saving for 10 or 20 years from now when I don't even know what I'll want or what I'll want to do? Um, 
so, you know, the reason why I talk about the long-term aspect is because there are so many things that are trying to get your attention, you know, CNBC headlines or, um, you know, there are plenty of posts and people on social media who use fear-based, you know, tactics to try to get your attention. And I think the 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 investors who end up with the biggest bank accounts and who have the most freedom and the most flexibility, you know, 10, 20 years from now are not the ones who are shouting about GameStop or running to try to invest in the latest, you know, cryptocurrency. Um, you know, maybe they are investing in individual stocks or crypto or high risk bets, but I think those people are the ones who are quietly and consistently doing the right things each week, even when it's hard, even when FOMO creeps in and the markets are down 5% and you saw somebody on LinkedIn or Twitter say that it's going down another 20% and you just want to sell out of everything. You know, the people who are, are really going to have what they want and need 10 to 20 years from now are the ones who are dollar cost averaging into the market, no matter what it's doing, they're diversifying. So they're not just investing in stocks. They're not just putting their money in one account type or one asset type. You know, they're thinking about things outside of stocks and outside of your brokerage. They're doing the right things, the right, boring, consistent things. And it's not sexy, but those are the people who quietly, when you talk to them, you know, 20 years from now, are going to be doing whatever the hell they want. And so maybe it's, you know, part education on what it takes to be a long-term investor and part just daily reminders to not get caught up in the shiny objects that, you know, those headlines, they want you to keep coming back there. You know, they make money off of you continuing to come back. Yeah, I, I think there are so many, you know, awesome points in there. And I, I don't know what the statistic is. I can't remember if you shared it, but I've, I've read it before where like, you know, if you invested in the S&P 500 for the last 40 years, it'd be up like, uh, whatever, 400%. Don't quote me, but it's something along that lines. But if you missed like the top 17 days, you're, you would have only made like a 10th of that or something like that. And it just goes to show that people who are able to have that long-term aspect who, as you said, can invest through the bad and the good and just stay constant. Um, they're the ones who are going to reap the benefits in the end. Um, I, I didn't want to gloss over one part that in there, Anthony, and I think it's so important, like being able to extract the emotion like out of an investment. And you said it, and we're living in this social media world where there's so much information at our fingertips and it's so easy to live like an impulsive life right now, especially along the lines of money. I mean, how do you help people kind of come over that fear of FOMO or, or extracting that emotion out of the investment or out of their financial lives to be able to stay constant and, and stay on the right track. Robusta Move was founded from our passion for two of the most simple and amazing things in life, good coffee and good music. Both of these enjoyable aspects of life play a vital role in the bringing together of people. And although we understand that everyone's music taste is different, there's no denying that when it comes to coffee, the difference between a good cup and a bad cup is undeniably blatant. 
That's why in the spirit of community and coming together, we at Robusta Move have made it our mission to supply our customers with superior coffee that you, your friends, and your family can enjoy. And we'll leave the playlist up to you. Visit robustamove.com and save 20% on your first order with the code VINYL. That's code VINYL, V-I-N-Y-L, to save 20% on your first order at robustamove.com. Robusta Move Coffee. Try it today. Yeah, I think the data point, um, that is a post that I put up recently. Um, I can't remember what the exact data is, but it's basically around the idea that if you miss only a few days in you know, the decade and do that for a couple of decades, which if you're trading in and out and trying to time the market, it's easy. It's you know only a handful of the best performing days. If you miss those, your compounded growth over 10, 20, 30 years goes from you know, a number that is hard to believe to basically peanuts. And so that's where I think um, there are so many things against you. For one, the uncertainty that those best performing days usually follow the worst single performing days. So when you're trying to get out and get back in at the right time, um, you're likely to miss those and miss out on, you know, some zeros and maybe commas, uh, however many years down the road. Um, and yeah, and then uh, I guess um, what was the the follow up question to? Yeah, over overcoming like this emotional aspect. Like I, I feel like there's so much information at our fingertips. I mean, you said it. Like they want us to keep coming back. Um, you know, helping people overcome that emotional barrier and almost like extract the emotion out of like the financial investment. Like how do you, what's your advice for people or how can you help people kind of overcome that barrier? That person whose portfolio is down 10% and he just wants to liquidate and go into something else. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, if you're not cold-blooded like uh, Warren Buffett and, you know, have plenty of years of experience, um, first of all, if you go look at a 30-year graph of the S&P 500, you know, from the bottom left to the top right, I wouldn't bet against the U.S. economy over 20, 30 years. And so those short-term, um, you know, downturns in the market, they're going to happen. And so I set expectations with clients and, you know, try to do that through my content, that that's something that you can't avoid. And if you try to time it or try to, you know, be cued and trade in and out, you're likely to make a mistake or several and miss out on growth and be inefficient with trading and taxes. So if I have, again, when I'm having these conversations, if I can set up the expectations where we're not just investing for the good times. We are anticipating downturns and pullbacks of 10% or more. And our portfolio is aligned with those future pullbacks. And so first of all, having your strategy, having the fact that there will be corrections and pullbacks over your lifetime, have that embedded in your overall portfolio strategy. It shouldn't just be optimized to, you know, grow as much and as fast as you can. Um, there's some benefit to having diversification and giving yourself some cushion when the market does come back. And then the second part is 
not doing it alone, having a partner where, you know, Ukraine and Russia, um, with all of this going down and it really getting serious while I was actually away traveling in South America on a trip. Um, and, you know, I'm jumping in my email and getting on the phone with clients um, in South America because I'm here so that they can call me when the market goes crazy and they want to know what to do because their emotions are telling them to you know, do the wrong thing a lot of the time, or they just need someone to talk through it. And for me to reiterate that we have a plan and we have a strategy. Yes, there's uncertainty around this and, you know, we have their back. And so I think, um, first of all, just like having the education and knowing uh, what the S&P 500 is going to do over 30, 50 years. You know, it's always recovered after a downturn and gone higher. Um, and then knowing that, you know, if you can bring in a partner and if you can invest in having guidance from that partner and that translates to you avoiding, you know, five, six-figure mistakes on the tax side or trying to time the market, you know, I think that's huge. And, and my clients find a lot of value in, you know, both the education and the coaching. Yeah, I think that's extremely powerful and being able to set yourself up for success or if a downturn does happen, you know, being able to mitigate those losses through diversification, I, I think it's incredibly powerful. And starting out with that in mind that eventually, you know, we, we go through market cycles, it's going to happen, but we just want to be prepared for it. You know, if I could just sum up long-term investing, like in, in one sentence, it'd be like a lot of people would probably say it's boring, but being bored and rich is, is two good things. In my opinion, I, I like being bored. <laughs> I like being rich. And uh, that's why I, I'm really bullish on it. And even when we buy real estate, we're long-term hold investors. Um, so that really kind of resonates with me. Uh, as, as we get ready to wrap up here, Anthony, I just got a couple more uh, questions. I just want to get your perspective on um, kind of a good one to end on a little bit of a wild card, but alternative investments and what the you know world of crypto is now turning into. I think it's really exciting. Um, I totally see this as something that could be huge here, you know, over the next several decades, but even in the near term future as well. You know, what are your thoughts on, you know, people who want to get into cryptocurrency? You know, what type of research should they be doing? How can they close that knowledge gap to maybe even start experimenting with, you know, a Coinbase account or, or I guess, what's your overall thoughts and aspects on kind of investing in crypto? Yeah. Yeah. Crypto is something that is impossible to ignore. Um, you know, with the people who I work with, again, who are working in tech, they're very tech savvy, you know, tend to be 20s, 30s and 40s. Um, if they're not already holding a significant amount of crypto before they start talking to me, it's something that they're interested in. And, you know, for us um, and farther, we are a digital family office. So technology and embracing these innovations and you know emerging investment opportunities like cryptocurrency, NFTs, you know, even um, artwork, you know, on top of the already broad list of alternative investment options out there. Um, so we take cryptocurrency seriously. And we're actually going to be able to 
custody it and manage it as a part of our client's overall portfolio. So when they log into their farther app, they might have a long-term growth brokerage. We call our brokerage long-term growth. Um, that's sort of your taxable bucket. Maybe they have a Roth IRA. That's your tax-free bucket. And then between the retirement accounts and you know some rollover IRAs, they have. So they have these buckets growing alongside, and we're always looking for opportunities to um, add to those, but in a strategic way. You know, not just throwing money at cryptocurrency, but really setting parameters. And so that's where having that risk conversation again comes in handy because if somebody is you know, if they don't like the S&P 500 volatility, they're not going to like Bitcoin uh, volatility. And, you know, if they come to me and say, like, hey, I want to get started investing in cryptocurrency, um, you know, first, there's the education component. Like, let's talk about what it is. What are some long term use cases? And I'm looking at worst and best case scenarios. And I'm you know happy to kind of jump into to that and what that looks like. And then when it comes time to actually invest, um, just like I'm there for telling them how to invest their 401k or their farther portfolios, even if it's not on the farther platform, um, I'm helping them understand how to get invested in crypto or how to buy rental real estate. Or So you know that's a good example of there are so many options out there. And when you're putting together a strategic plan and putting the right pieces in place, um, you know, having that advisor to help you carve out like, okay, how much of my overall portfolio belongs in something that's high risk, high reward, like Bitcoin or Ethereum versus the core ETFs or real estate. So with cryptocurrency, um, I saw that your first guest was Jimmy Song. Yeah, um, super and, big wig in the, dude. People ask me all the time how you booked Jimmy Song as like your yeah. first guest. The backstory to that, I just DM'd him off LinkedIn, dude. But he's like a two, he's a huge big time. The the week after I interviewed him, he was like on CNBC talking with like Ted Cruz about Bitcoin. I just DM'd him, but yeah, not to interrupt you, but that's just a cool story. No, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that because I'm you know, looking at your podcast guests and he was the first one on there. And I have heard on, I've heard of him because there's, you know, a community of creators um, in the cryptocurrency space, uh, obviously on Twitter and Reddit, and, and he's big on Twitter and now becoming more prominent on um, LinkedIn. But, you know, it, it's super interesting because in 2017, there was this wave, this sort of crypto craze where it went from the super early adopters to now it was becoming mainstream. And I was working in my first wealth management role um, at an RIA uh, investment advisor here in Chicago, which mostly worked with you know business owners between 10 and 50 million net worth, super complex. And you know, the traditional wealth management shop, we have CNBC on all of the TVs in our office. And I just remember for several months in 2017, the only headlines were cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And you know that was a good example where there's something so new and there are good actors and bad actors who immediately jump in to um, you know, cryptocurrency. And, and the same is true with things like NFTs and 
So the first is, you know, education, like make sure that you are understanding, like we've been talking about the risks involved because investing a thousand in Apple stock, maybe that goes up and down, you know, two, three, four, five percent, you know, at the most, whereas your Bitcoin can easily, you know, five to 10 percent weekly swings. So that's the first thing is like, if you're trying to understand what Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency could be, it's like, you know, being in the 2000s or 1999 and saying, well, what could the internet be? You know, it's very broad and open-ended. You know that there's a ton of possibilities and there's more, there's probably a higher likelihood that it it's still here 10 or 20 years from now than not. But also setting the expectations of, you know, for somebody who's low risk and wants to get started investing in crypto, don't put in anything that you aren't willing to lose and you aren't willing to let go to zero because it's early, early days. And who knows, you know, over 10, 20, 30 years. But I think it is important, you know, understanding what it is, um, figuring out a good platform to buy, you know, Coinbase Pro is, is kind of the default. There are more out there. I'm not affiliated with any of them or, um, and then that's another one, like dollar cost averaging into it um, is what I do on a weekly basis into Bitcoin and Ethereum. That's right for me. I don't know if it's right for everyone, um, but figure out if it's right for you. And if it is, how do you strategically make it a part of your overall investment plan instead of randomly throwing money at it, hoping to get rich overnight? Um, so if you take a 10-year perspective and you invest in Bitcoin or Ethereum or cryptocurrency and you know, you're willing to wait around and see what happens over the next 10 years, um, I think people who do that will be very, very happy. But I also have no idea. You know, it, it could go um, anyway with something so new like this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I you know, can't harp on enough. I mean, education is, I think, the first step of anything, understanding that risk tolerance and, and what your goals are. And again, it, it just comes back to the long-term aspect of, you know, if you're just putting in a little bit at a time and you're just being patient and patient over a decade, I, and Jimmy said this on the show, he's like, Bitcoin has never lost money in, in any single five-year period um, since its existence. He, you know, he's owns the same amount of Bitcoin that he owned in, in 2011 plus more now, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an incredible. I, I love talking about it. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And again, I'm very much in the learning stages right now, but uh, I want to get your perspective on it. Something a little different with alternative investments and not something we get to talk, you know, so much on here. So that was, that was a great perspective. Uh, getting ready to wrap up here, Anthony, we just got two last questions. Uh, neither of them are financial related. I kind of like ending it on, on not finance related stuff, but uh, last two final questions for you. If you could solve any problem in the world, what would it be and why? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I think mental health and having preventative mental health care accessible to more people um, is a problem that, you know, I resonate a lot with as somebody who, you know, has had depression and anxiety and luckily has had tools and resources around me 
um, you know, to, to make it through some dark times. But I think there are plenty of people out there who don't have that support and don't have those resources. And, you know, life is always stressful. I think people at, you know, any point in the world's existence will say that, you know, maybe their lifetime was more stressful than ours right now. But, you know, with the constant notifications and being on with work and hustle culture headlines, along with, you know, a laundry list of stressful things that are happening in the world, I think more people would benefit from free preventative mental health care resources like, um, you know, talk therapy and, and some other things. Yeah, it's incredibly special. It, it resonates with me. I, I couldn't agree more just from being in the military. So many veterans, unfortunately, have taken their lives. You know, we just ended the longest war in this country's history and, and mental health is so important out there. And to have an asset like that, that could be, you know, given to anybody, no matter, you know, economic or status or whatever, that would be incredibly special. And yeah, I, that was an amazing response. So thanks. Um, Anthony Carlton is living the perfect life. What's it look like? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, but being creative, you know, and having creative outlets, entrepreneurship is one of those outlets for me. You know, content and being a content creator feeds into my business and it also feeds my need to be creative. So I've been blogging and writing um, for probably four years on different platforms and just, you know, recently started focusing on LinkedIn and, and really focusing on building long-term community on that platform. So if I'm able to continue, you know, helping hundreds of clients individually, and then hopefully, you know, thousands and, and many more through my content, um, you know, if I can help people get the financial resources that they need to, you know, live, live their life, and I'll be able to build my business at the same time. Um, you know, that sounds like a pretty fulfilling uh, life. And, and hopefully that's what I'll have over the next at least five to 10 years as I'm, you know, building this client business and, and learning as a content creator. Um, but it's some balance of entrepreneurship, writing and creativity and having that direct impact with coaching clients. Um, it's taken me a long time to figure out, you know, what it is that I really want and want to build and, and want out of, you know, this career. And I feel like I've landed on that. And so now there's, um, it's more action oriented and it's more focused on how do I grow and scale and, and really spread this impact versus the, what is my why? And, you know, what do I do next? So I was stuck on that for a long time. And now I'm feeling energized by just, you know, creating and, and coaching clients. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly special. And I, and again, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Your story is amazing. You're helping hundreds of people who I'm guaranteed in the next few years, 
few years is going to turn into thousands of people. Your content is helping change people's lives. I wish we had more Anthony Carlton's in this world because I think it would be a better place. <laughs> Seriously, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I want people to follow up with you after the show, Anthony. We've talked about LinkedIn a little bit here, not as much as I wanted to, but I guarantee you once this episode drops, you'll probably have a couple hundred new followers. Where can people get a hold of you after the show? People want to learn more about you, learn more about your story, your content. Where can people find you at? Yeah, so um, LinkedIn is probably the best place to do that. That's where I'm the most active. So if you want to, um, you know, follow me for financial content or you know even chat about um, what you have going on in in your financial life, um, you know the best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. So if you just type in Anthony Carlton CFP, um, that should pop up. Uh, you know, right in Google search as LinkedIn um, and yeah, if uh, email is best for you, anthony at farther.com. Um, otherwise, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. This was a fun conversation. You definitely made it, um, you know, comfortable for first time uh, guesting on a podcast and you're crushing it, man. So I, I'm excited to, you know, see where this podcast is in, you know, six months, a year and, um, you know, continue following your journey. and. Uh, and really appreciate, you know, the work you're doing and, um, you know, how many people you're helping with um, these different platforms that you're building. Yeah. Again, it was a privilege. It was awesome having you on to finally make this happen just means the world to me. I'm a huge fan of your content and just going back to the why of, of why we're doing this is to help people on this journey. And, and that just super, uh, it resonates a lot with me. So it was a privilege to interview you today, Anthony. Thanks again, brother, for coming on. Yeah. Sounds good, Jesse. I'll see you next time. For the rest of the Wealth Science Nation, leave us a five-star review, subscribe. I appreciate everything that you guys do. Stay on the grind. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Wealth Science Podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please, Do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.